Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of The Background Scoop. I'm your host, DJ Stavropoulos, part-time background actor here in Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks so much for tuning in. I stumbled into Yollywood in October 2019 and did just over 30 projects in my first year, including nine weeks in a sequestered bubble on a Netflix movie with Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne Johnson, and Gal Gadot. Not that I met them personally. Anywho, I think I have something valuable to share with anyone who's interested in listening. Are you an up-and-coming background actor who wants to learn more? Listen in. Making money is one of the primary reasons for doing background acting. Yes, it's fun and exciting to do the work, but if there weren't money involved, would you offer up your time for free? Some people would, and there are background acting jobs that pay nothing. This episode is about those that do. How the pay structure works, how you get paid, and how taxes are handled. I've added some personal stories along the way to help explain pay-related situations I've been in and how I've resolved them. I wouldn't say background acting is a get-rich-quick scheme to follow, but then again, the pay is relative to how valuable your time is and what you can make doing other things. For me, it's just one of many concurrent streams of income. I've never worked for free, and the most I've made is about $24,000 for just a few months of work on a single project. Here's what I cover in this episode. What the pay rates mean when overtime kicks in, how taxes are handled, payroll companies, how long it takes to get paid, what a bump is, what roles pay more than background, and how to address payment issues. I'll get started after the break. One of the great things about working background jobs is they deduct your taxes for you, which is why you complete an I-9 form upfront and specify your withholding at both the federal and state levels. It would be a nightmare if they didn't do this because you'd have to estimate your taxes quarterly and pay them yourself. I know because I do this for my real estate business. It's very odd in my mind because we are not employees at all. We're more like freelance contractors who get 1099s and yet these production companies handle our pay as if we're employees. Make sure you know who the payroll company is because if your check never shows up, you'll have to call them directly. You should be able to get this from the casting company, but if not, once you get a check in the mail, their name, number, and address will be on the pay stub. Different projects use different companies, but some use the same companies as others. At the end of the year, you'll want to know how many different W-2s to expect in the mail. If you do 10 projects and some use the same payroll firms, those earnings may be commingled and you'll get just one W-2 from the payroll company for multiple projects, but I'm not 100% sure. Now that I'm in the throes of completing my 2020 taxes, I have no idea how many W-2s to expect. I have three so far, but since I wasn't tracking the payroll companies along the way, I don't know how many different companies supported the projects I worked on. And I'm not even sure it's a one-to-one relationship. Several projects may use the same payroll company. If they do, I think you get a separate W-2 per project. That's what's happened so far. For example, Entertainment Partners processed two projects I worked on in 2020. I got two W-2s in the mail. One lists the employer's name as GEP Sencast LLC. The other says GEP Senex LLC. In the end, it doesn't really matter if your earnings are commingled. Since they're all required to send out the W-2s by January 31st each year, it's probably safe to assume you'll get them all by mid-February and have what you need. 
if any struggle in later, you can always just add the income before filing your taxes by April 15th. So this may be reason to not file early and just wait. When you see an ad for a background job, they all state the rate the same way. It's a dollar amount over a number of hours. For example, $88 over eight, or $80 over eight, or $150 over 12. What does this mean exactly? The first number is the guaranteed pay you'll get for working the hours specified in the second number. In my first example, $88 over eight means you'll be paid $88 for the first eight hours of work, even if you don't work the full eight hours. If you work just one hour, you'll still get $88. The second example is $80 for eight hours of work. The third example is $150 for 12 hours of work. In all cases, any time worked over the specified number of hours, you are paid overtime, which is one and a half times the initial rate. And as I noted above, you still get paid the full amount if you work less than the quoted number of hours. So let's do the math here. Just divide the first number by the second to get the hourly rate. $88 over eight means $11 an hour. $80 over eight means $10 an hour. And $150 over 12 means $12.50 an hour. You won't know how much you're actually going to make until you work the job. In the first example, you're making $11 an hour and 1.5 times this amount for each hour of overtime. That's 11 times 1.5, which is 16.50 per hour for each overtime hour. When you've worked the job, all you have to do is determine the overtime hours, multiply those by the overtime rate, and add back in the rate quoted. If you work the $88 over eight job for 10 hours, you'll get two hours at 16.50, which is $33, plus the original $88 for a total of $111. Note that many projects subtract for mealtime, which could be 30 to 60 minutes. So you have to subtract this out first. Your voucher will reflect whether mealtime has been subtracted as well as total hours worked. Most companies pad your hours with an extra 30 minutes or round up to the next full hour to account for the time it takes to check out at the end of the day. Some projects like Red Notice started the clock when we left the hotel. So we were actually paid to drive to the set and back, but I think that's rare. So how do you tell which job pays better? You really can't upfront. Even though you can calculate the hourly rate and the overtime rate, you have no idea how many hours you'll be working. Using the same examples I mentioned earlier, at first glance, 88 over eight doesn't sound as good as 150 over 12 because the first pays $11 an hour while the second pays 12.50. But if you take the first job and work 12 hours and they don't deduct for mealtime, you'll end up making $154, which is more than the second job. So unless you have some way of knowing how long the day will be, perhaps based on prior experience with the project, it's hard to gauge with any accuracy which job will pay more in the end. Using the same logic, if you take the 88 over eight job and work only two hours, you've made $44 an hour. But again, you will never know this in advance, but it's nice to do the math afterwards and make yourself feel great about commanding such a high rate. My Netflix nine weeks in a bubble job, when extrapolated to cover an entire year, equated to over $100,000 a year. If only I could do that for six months and take the rest of each year off. Back to pay rates. 
There are other factors that come into play. It's not just about the money. How far is the job from your home? How many COVID tests do you have to take before filming? Do you have to go there for a fitting first or can you wear your own clothing? Most importantly, is it multiple days of work or just one? In the end, I take all of this into consideration before deciding. As I mentioned in episode six, I took an 11 day job that pays $88 for eight hours instead of a two day job that pays 150 for 12 hours because the first would ultimately pay me more, almost $1,000. 88 times 11 is much more than 150 times two. But alas, many of those 11 days were rescheduled and turned into night shoots, which I despise. So in the end, maybe I should have taken the $150 stand-in job instead. You should get a physical or electronic voucher for each day you work or COVID test. Always keep these until you get paid so that you have some type of proof of the hours that you worked. The voucher should also have the payroll company's contact information in the event you need to track down a missing check. COVID testing rates are all over the map. Some pay one half the daily rate, some pay one quarter, some pay a full day's rate. These are the best. I guess they're all experimenting to see what works. To calculate what you're really being paid to get tested, I track the commute time in minutes plus the test time in minutes, divide the pay rate by that total number of minutes, and then multiply by 60. The division gives you the pay per minute, multiplying by 60 turns that into an hourly rate. The ones I take at Trilith pay $44, but it's 80 minutes of commuting and 10 minutes of testing if I get there at the right time. That's $44 divided by 90 minutes multiplied by 60, making it just over $29 an hour, which is pretty good. Although I hate driving all the way for something that takes no time at all once I'm there. Oh, and not to mention how much gasoline I'm using and the wear and tear on my car. I just realized the testing I do in downtown Atlanta pays even better. It's $37.50 and takes 40 minutes of commute time, and it's a 10-minute drive-through test. That's $37.50 divided by 50 minutes multiplied by 60, which equates to $45 an hour. Surprise, surprise, you are actually making a lot more money just getting a COVID test. And the side benefit is you don't have to go somewhere else and sit and wait for an hour as I used to do. My background jobs provide me paid COVID testing at least once a week. I guess the moral of the story is, if you could just be paid to COVID test and forget about the background acting itself, you'd make a lot more money. I guess that could be a whole new podcast called The COVID Testing Scoop. Some companies will pay you separately for these tests, while others treat them as a bump to your actual filming date, and just add the testing pay into that check. They should tell you this up front, so you know whether to expect one check or two. And you should probably track the COVID testing dates and pay just as if they are real filming days. Final note, the projects are paying you to COVID test when you're doing that on a different date than filming. Someone also retests you on a filming date, but they don't pay you extra for that. Most pay you to test on one day and then pay you to film on another, since the testing typically happens one to two days prior to the first shooting day. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. 
There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. I'm in the middle of resolving a messy payroll issue, so I'm recording this while it's fresh in my mind. It's Monday, January 25th, 2021. First, always get the name of the payroll company supporting the project and a phone number to call in case you have payment issues. In the past, these were clearly printed on the paper vouchers you got when you worked a job, but now everyone is doing electronic vouchers, so you may have to dig for this. Ask the casting company right up front or at the latest on your first day of work. They really should be sending this out in advance to avoid having to answer this question a thousand times. That did not happen on one project I'm doing right now. There were no paper vouchers yesterday. There were no electronic vouchers yesterday. When I texted them today, this is what they said. How it works for this production is you will just keep track of your work dates and you'll receive the check in three to four weeks. If you don't, you'll call the number on the pink copy of your fitting voucher. They don't send out electronic voucher receipts. We haven't had any issues with payroll and we started in October. That doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy inside. It's not a huge vote of confidence that this will work. Well, the pink voucher I got at my fitting in November two months ago is long gone since I got paid for that a month ago. I asked for the phone number and he texted it over. So now I know who to call if things go wrong. That payment did arrive pretty quickly, so I may have nothing to worry about, but the inconsistency across projects kills me. We have wonderful projects like First Wives Club that use a site called Castify, C-A-S-T-I-F-I, to collect all your paperwork in advance and issue electronic vouchers for you to review and approve. Central Casting does something similar with the vouchers. But my current project, absolutely nothing. Not paper, not electronic. I'm just supposed to trust them. On another project, things have gone wrong. I tested and worked it in both mid-December and mid-January. I have yet to see the December checks. I tracked down the payroll number from Central Casting. I called at the wrong time. They're on the West Coast, and the particular department I need to speak to is available only on weekdays and only between 3 to 5 p.m. their time. So I have to call between 6 and 8 p.m. my time on the East Coast. I did it and failed. The second time, I waited 45 minutes in the queue before I got someone. She was helpful, but admitted they had had payroll issues with Georgia, as if it were an everyday thing. Great. She was able to tell me the actual dates the checks had been sent out. The January checks had gone out before the December checks. So far, out of the four I expect, I got one, but it's just for the COVID test in January. It occurred to me that the assumptions I've made about getting paid in this industry are totally wrong. I worked corporate jobs for over 30 years, many of them at large banks, where getting paid was a given. I feel bad that people in the film and TV industry can't even rely on getting paid accurately and on time. I don't know how you fix this problem. It feels like one of those things that people just accept, and because they accept it, it never gets better. I wonder if this is different in states like California that have unions like SAG. I've only had payroll problems one other time, and again had to call someone in California to fix it. He was very nice and knowledgeable, and I eventually got the check and cashed it. But then I got it again, and that's when I scratched my head and wondered. 
I think I actually tried to deposit it just to see what would happen, but my bank's mobile app was smart enough to know that the check number was identical to one already deposited. I thought about calling the company back to let them know something was terribly wrong with their payroll if they were sending duplicate checks, but I didn't want to waste my time. I guess I'm guilty here of not trying to help solve their problem. So the problem is people like me. Second, keep a spreadsheet of the projects you work on, one row per day, so you can record the pay rate, hours, etc., and keep track of what you're owed. This is what I do. I mark them as not yet worked, worked but not yet paid, and worked and paid. When the check arrives, I record the date I got it, and it calculates how long it took, and I change the status. And if I have a paper voucher, I can now toss it. With electronic vouchers, it's much easier. I just print them to PDFs and then store them electronically. Third, if you've done this correctly, you can filter the spreadsheet by production company at the end of the year and know how many different W-2s to expect for your taxes. I do miss the luxury of direct deposit that we had on Red Notice. We did have a few hiccups there with some payments delayed by a few days, but overall we pretty much got paid on Thursdays for the week ending the prior Saturday. That's quick. But I also know that some people still haven't gotten their final paycheck, and we wrapped that project over two months ago. So today is Sunday, January 31st, 2021. I had a couple really interesting uh, availability checks from Central Casting this week. And I'm putting them in this episode because they're kind of all around reading the descriptions and kind of making a determination financially if something makes sense or not or whether you're even available to do the job. So the first one came in on Wednesday and it's basically one day of testing and one day of filming. Um, And the role is to be the prime minister of a foreign country. And it says this is a featured photo selected role for a royal wedding seen on the show. I can't say the show name. You're being submitted because your look fits what the production is looking for. If selected, we will reach out to you with more information closer to your testing and work day. So I was really excited. I'm like, wow, I make it pick to be the prime minister of this foreign country on a TV show that I've already been on before. And again, I can't mention the name. So a couple days go by, I don't hear anything back. And I'm like, oh, I guess they didn't pick me. And as I've mentioned in other episodes, they didn't obviously reach out to me and say, hey, you didn't get picked. You're supposed to figure that out. And the reason I know I didn't get picked was because two days later on Friday, I got another availability check and it was for the same show. But this time... Um, It was not for the same role. This was, well, you weren't picked, so maybe you still want to come to the wedding and maybe you want to be part of the royal family or maybe a friend of the family or maybe a celebrity guest or some other distinguished dignitary. And I was like, what? Like, you don't want me to be the prime minister, but you want me to come to the wedding and like be somebody else? I don't think so. Just kidding. Actually, I had a conflict. It was... Uh, one day of testing, one day of fitting, and then two days of filming, one of which was on Friday. But I've got a real estate closing on Friday, and I really can't blow that off. So maybe next time.
Just a few more tidbits of information before I wrap up this episode. Before I forget, how long does it take to get paid? It can range from two weeks to never. I'm serious. I typically allow four to six weeks before I start to worry and call the payroll company. The shortest I've ever experienced was the Netflix movie that direct deposited our pay five days later. Sometimes you get paid extra for little things. These are called bumps. They're typically specified up front in the job description, including what the bump is for and what the extra money is. For example, if they need you to bring your car, they may pay $25 extra for this. We got paid several bumps while filming El Dorado, the code name, because it was raining and there was atmospheric smoke and there were things exploding all around us. Sometimes bumps are invented on the fly. On this same project, one day the director asked for volunteers to stay late and get wet by our fire hose. I jumped up and down in his face while he ignored me. The next day, I asked him about it, and he came right out and said, quote, You're too white. Unquote. I don't think I could have sued for discrimination, and it all made sense, because the scene was in South America, and I was one of the palest people on the set. So if you're thinking about what pays more than a background role, I have two answers. I have found that stand-in roles pay a lot more, but I don't quite know how you get them. I did stand in purely by accident on Ozark one day and got a small bump, but that one day opened up more opportunities down the road just because I now had experience. Right now, someone is paying me $150 a day to literally stand there. It pays more and is easier than background because there's no costume, no hair and makeup, and no action. The only downside is you never end up on film. The other thing I've done is body doubling, which I believe would likely pay more as well. When I did it on a Netflix project, we were already being paid a fortune and there wasn't extra pay for this. Finally, I believe stunt people make even more, something around $1,000 a day, but that's just what I've heard, so don't quote me on that. Although it's more dangerous work and requires training, sometimes the stunt people get paid the stunt rate, but actually just fill in as background and don't actually do stunt work. Now that is the way to make money. So today is Tuesday, January 26, 2021, and I have a little cancellation story to tell you. In the 15 months that I've been doing background work, I have never canceled on a job, but I found myself in a situation this week where I had to do that, unfortunately, for the very first time. So I had two projects. Project one had me booked to film on Sunday and then test on Wednesday, sorry, test on Thursday to film on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Project 2 came along, and I said I was available, and I accepted it, and they booked me, even though I had a potential conflict. Project 2 was testing on Sunday, working on Tuesday, testing on Wednesday, and working on Friday. So there was definitely a conflict on Friday, because they both wanted me to film. And then on the first Sunday, there was a potential conflict, but I didn't know that. I wouldn't know that until I got my call times. Well, on Saturday, I got my call times. Project 1 was 6 a.m. at Trillith in Fayetteville. Project 2 was testing at 10 o'clock in Atlanta. Couldn't do both. So because Project 1 had a strict no cancellation policy, do not cancel or we will never hire you again, I called Project 2, apologized, and canceled. And they were very nice about it. They seemed very thankful that I actually called because I guess some people just don't show up. And that really throws a monkey wrench into things for them. And I would never do that. So, canceled Project 2, went and worked Project 1 on Sunday. Um, 
It was really tough canceling Project 2 because Project 2 pays twice as much as Project 1, but Project 2 was only two days. Project 1 is 11 days of filming, plus they pay you for the COVID test days. So in the long run, I was going to make more on Project 1, but at the same time, Project 2 has been trickling in days for me, and so, you know, after six days of Project 2, it's just it just makes more sense financially. Because wouldn't you work, wouldn't you rather work six days than 12 days? Yeah, why not? Okay, so back to the story. So today is Tuesday, and guess what? Project One calls and cancels the rest of the week. (laughs) So now I'm available to work Project Two, but I can't because I canceled it. Hey, I'm free now to be tested on Wednesday to work all day Friday and make 150 bucks. So I called Project Two back and left a message. I spoke to somebody live. The person I wanted to speak to wasn't available and told the situation and said, hey, I'm free now. If you're still looking for stand-in for Friday, I can do it. I'll never hear back from them. But anyway, that's my story. So despite your best efforts to be really nice and not overbook yourself because they really hate when you do that and they really, really, really hate when you cancel, hey, they can cancel you at any time and there's nothing you can do about it. So it's really kind of a strange double standard. They're really, really strict about you not canceling. But production can change the schedule and they cancel you and and who knows what's going to happen now. I mean... These poor people, there were 180 of us on Sunday. I can't imagine what they have to go through to try to reschedule all of those people for a completely new set of dates. But that's how things go. So just be aware. That's how the industry works. Here's a recap of today's episode. Payroll companies will handle your pay as if you were an employee and send out a W-2 at the start of the following year. Get the payroll company information up front or at the very latest on your first day of testing or filming. Pay rates are stated in whole dollars over hours. This is what you're paid for working up to and including that many hours. After that time, you're paid one and a half times the hourly rate as overtime. Note that some companies deduct meal time when calculating your total hours paid. Your voucher will reflect the total hours you'll be paid for. COVID testing pays a different rate and is done on separate days. If you get a subsequent COVID test and work on the same day, you don't get paid for that COVID test. You get paid just for the filming. Although you can easily calculate the hourly pay rate in advance of taking a job, there are lots of other factors that come into play in determining whether you actually decide to take the job. Most of these are related to the complexity of the job and how much you believe it's worth your time if you can make more elsewhere. In the end, a lower daily rate could translate to more pay due to overtime and or the fact that you're booked for multiple days on the same project. That's all for this episode. Tune in again for more of the Background Scoop, where I discuss background acting here in Atlanta. Hope you're learning and getting some BG rules of your own. Feel free to reach out with your questions, which I'll try to answer in a future episode, or tell me a story about your own experience, and I may choose to interview you. See the episode notes for how to reach out, and if you like what you've heard, please rate the podcast. Thanks for listening.